We only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Woo. Okay. That's, uh, that's, that's some heavyweight stuff right there. Uh, he wants to change us. And he's an omnipotent God. So uh, let's get into this. Would you stand with me? Let's read from Psalm 24. Now, this isn't a reading together on this one. This is a proclamation. This is a woohoo kind of one. Okay, so let's, let's do some of that, all right? Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power that's in your word. And I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would rest heavily upon us and that you would change us, to transform us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord God Almighty. Uh, do you believe that? Now, now, this isn't really necessarily a yes. Uh, I'm, I'm asking, do you believe that inside? That God is almighty, that he is omnipotent. See, my uh, when I was a, when I was a little child, my father was omnipotent. My dad could do anything. My dad could carry a five-gallon bucket of kerosene into the house to pour into the, the the furnace and heat the whole house for an entire night. My dad could carry a five-gallon bucket of kerosene, guys. My dad could reach the top shelf in the kitchen. My dad could drive a car. A car. A stick shift for crying out loud. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. Yeah. I mean, my dad could do anything when I was when I was a little kid. And because he could do anything. When my dad was around, I felt safe. I, I, I did. I felt safe. I mean, if, if anybody was going to break into our house and try to hurt us, they were in for a, a, a hard time because my dad was there. And, and even, even storms, if, if a bad storm blew through uh, and my dad wasn't at home, the storm was a lot scarier than if my dad was at home. Uh, dads, I hope you're taking notes because your kids should feel this way about you. And if they don't, it's not their fault. That's part of your job is to make them 
to, to, to make them feel feel safe. Uh, actually, storms weren't the things that I that I had the big. I, I grew up in an era when they taught little elementary school kids to uh, hide under their desks in case of nuclear attack. And uh, so, you know, you don't just leave that stuff at school and you get home. What happens if there's a nuclear attack and you're at home? You don't have a desk. And so at night, I remember the uh, I, I would lay in bed, and anytime I would hear kind of a strange noise, especially if it had kind of a mm, sort of to it, and I didn't know what it was, it was the Russian bombers. I mean, seriously, New York City, Chicago, and Millersville, those were the three targets <laughs> that the Russians were coming after first in the United States. But if my dad was in the room, it's okay. It was going to be all right. And I could go anywhere if my dad was with me. I, I, I could go anywhere and not be afraid, even, even if it was dark. My dad pastored at Millersville Assembly of God, and it was kind of a shotgun building. It was sort of, sort of a long building. And part of the job uh, involved, obviously, getting there first to open things up, and then being the last one out. That was just part of the job. And I remember that uh, occasionally we would, uh, uh, we'd, I'd be the last one there with my dad, and he would say, Ronnie Allen, go turn off the lights. Now, in these days, they got light switches everywhere. We got a light switch. There's one there and, and, and over there, and there's one outside that door. And, and if uh, they're just all over the place, but not in those days. You had a light switch, one place in the room, and it was not necessarily anywhere close to the door that you used to leave the room, which clearly did not have an illuminated exit sign over it. And then my dad would say, go turn off the lights. Whoa, because you see the light switch was down there and the door was over there. That was not one of my favorite things to do. But if my dad went with me, if my dad went with me, everything's cool. Nothing in the dark's going to get you when your dad's with you. That's the way, that's the way that I felt about it. My, my dad could do, could do all of this stuff. He could, he, he could make me feel safe. I could go anywhere with him. I could do anything as long as he helped me. Now, eventually I discovered that my dad was not omnipotent. And that came about, uh, for sure it came about when I was able to reach top shelf myself. But, uh, and then later on as I became a teenager, he, he wasn't even smart. Uh, I mean, my dad didn't know, he didn't even know Ringo Starr's real name. And or, or what instrument he played. And, uh, and if you don't know that, you're not smart. And, and some, uh, where are the teenagers today? I see. Oh, yeah. Okay. Over there. Yeah. Do y'all know who Ringo Starr is? Then you're not smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, 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 he was the drummer for the Beatles. I mean, seriously, people, why, how do we not know these things? And then, of course, he got, I got older and he got smarter. But anyway, so my dad was not really omnipotent. But you know what? I have a God who is.
And over a hundred times in Scripture, He has told me, do not be afraid. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Now, you know, I could spend some time this morning talking about omnipotent God, and we'd talk about the universe and all the power and all the strength and all the, you know, forces that are required to hold things together and just kind of go, wow, those are big numbers. But I don't, I don't know that that's really going to be important. What I want to talk about is if you have an omnipotent God, how should that impact the way you live? The way you order your life, the way that you think about things, the way, the way that you approach things. We live in a fearful age. We live in a fearful culture and a fearful society, but we also live in a fearful age because the Scripture says that in the last days, there'll be days when men's hearts are failing them for fear. Fear, fear of foreign countries, fear of foreign terrorists, fear of home invasions, fear of want, fear of the economy, fear, fear, fear. That's what we live in. But we have an omnipotent God who's told us not to fear. And because of that, I'm safe in him. I'm I'm safe. Uh, Over in uh, Genesis chapter 14, Abraham. uh, Abraham made some enemies. He made some enemies and he gave away uh, a lot of money or or the opportunity to have a lot of money because the land was invaded by by four kings and they, they defeated all of the kings that were that were in the land, but they made one mistake. They, they captured Abraham's nephew Lot and they took him as a hostage. And so, uh, that roused Abraham, who was, who had an omnipotent God, by the way. Uh, and Abraham got his household troops together and went and defeated those four kings, but he didn't kill them. He didn't kill them. And, and in those days, the problem was if you didn't kill a king when you defeated him, he would come back. And usually come back with a bigger army than he had before. And he also gave away uh, um, the opportunity to have a lot of money because the, the king of Sodom, after, after Abraham defeated these other kings, said, you can keep all the spoils. And Abraham said, nope, not going to let it be said that you made Abram rich. So he's given away all this money and he's made all these enemies in chapter 14. First verse in chapter 15, the Lord appears to him and says, do not be afraid. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. You don't have to worry about what you've given away. You don't have to worry about the enemies that you've made among mankind. You've got an omnipotent God. So those kings never did come back. And Abraham never, certainly never had, never had any want. You're aware that the nation of Israel, when they were by the Red Sea, you know, the Egyptians are coming after them. The seas on this side. Ah, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? God didn't say, I'm going to split the sea open and you walk through it. God said, don't be afraid. Stand still and watch what I'm going to do. Stand still and watch what I'm going to do. With him, you can go anywhere. Uh, There's a guy named David Wilkerson who started a ministry called Teen Challenge. And Teen Challenge... Uh, has had a tremendous amount of success in helping people get off drugs and things of that nature and, and just getting their lives changed, getting their lives turned around. The ministry started when Dave, and, and I don't and I don't remember where uh, he was from exactly. It may have been Arkansas. Uh, somebody who's read The Cross and the Switchblade can maybe tell me that. You know, I mean, it, it was kind of a, 
you know, it was sort of a, it wasn't Millersville, but it, was, it wasn't close. I mean, it was close to, to Millersville. And it started when the Lord called him to New York City to go and minister to street gangs. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to go minister to street gangs in New York City. And he didn't say, take a bunch of people with you. He went by himself. But you see, when the Lord tells you to go somewhere, you can go because he'll go with you. He'll go with you. Maybe something that uh, that we could relate to a little bit more contemporary, even though even though who it happened to was was not contemporary. Jacob, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. When Jacob was old, he immigrated to a new country. He was a refugee in Egypt because of famine that was in the land. Now most people don't grow up going, "Wow, I want to be a refugee." I would really like to, to get out of this country and have to go to someplace else. That's not how most people enter into this world or, or are in this world. But a lot of times people have to leave because of outside forces, some type of oppression, war, in Jacob's case, famine that drove him. And, and he's old. he was 130 years old. And now he's uprooting everything and going to a land where he doesn't know doesn't know the culture, doesn't know the people, doesn't have the, doesn't have the, the connects. And God appeared to him and said, I'm God. I'm the God of your fathers. Don't be afraid. I'm going to go with you. And so when God says, I'm going to go with you, you can go. Moses was, was perhaps a, 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 another example, a little different thing. Moses had committed murder. He had committed probably first degree murder. A good lawyer might have got him on second, but I mean, it was his first degree because he, you know, he looked around, be sure there was nobody there before he killed the guy. That, that sounds premeditated. And so he was a fugitive from justice. And for 40 years, he had been away from where they wanted to bring him to justice. And the Lord appeared to him and said, go back. And not only go back, but go back and present yourself to Pharaoh. Now that's like, you know, that's kind of like saying, go back where the warrants are outstanding and walk into the police office, right? That's, that's exactly. And so Moses was understandably a little apprehensive about taking this step. But the Lord said, I'm going to go with you. And when he's going to go with you, you can go anywhere. You, you can do anything. Gideon took an army of 300 and, and defeated a, a much vaster army because the Lord delivered Midian into his hands. David fought a, a, a giant, nine foot tall giant who was battle tested and, and trained one on one and defeated him because the Lord was with him. He said, uh, the, the Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear is going to deliver me out of the hand of this giant. So, Bam, there we go. Elijah could call fire down out of heaven because the Lord, his God was omnipotent. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could walk through fire because the Lord, their God, was going to go with them at the time. Peter could walk on water because Jesus said, come forth. Lazarus could walk out of the grave because Jesus said, come forth. So no wonder Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I've got an omnipotent God who can do everything. Now, it's great. And, and this is why I was saying, you know, I'm not asking, you know, is our God omnipotent? Yeah. I'm asking, is your God omnipotent? Do I really believe that? 
Do I really believe that? Because it's great to talk about our Almighty God, but there's caution here. Do you really trust Him? And not just with your words. Psalm 20. Uh, I was preaching so good I forgot to change these things. Psalm 20, verses 7 and 8. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall. But we rise up and stand firm. Those who rise up are not those who know this verse. They're not those who quote this verse. They're those who live this verse. And sometimes because we know the verse and we quote the verse, we assume that we live it. But we're actually in worse shape than those who don't know it and don't quote it and don't live it because we don't live it either. And we do know it and do quote it. Do we really trust Him? Do you really trust Him to provide for you? Jesus said over in Matthew 6.33, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you as well. What are these things that He's talking about? If you know the context of the passage, you know that it's within the context of, consider the lilies of the field. They don't... They don't spin, they don't make clothes, but your Father in heaven clothes them. Consider the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't go hungry either because your Father provides for them. And are you not more important than birds and flowers? Seek His kingdom and His righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. My employment history is kind of interesting. Um, When I got out of college... My uh, intention was to make a living as an actor, which uh, being translated into uh, regular speak is I was a theater bum because uh, you can't make a living as an actor in this town. And uh, so I kind of knocked around for a few years, kind of, I don't know how I survived, to be quite honest. Uh, and then I finally got a job. I got a real job. I was, I was a, a, a senior library assistant for the Nashville Public Library. And, uh, you know, now that I had uh, stability and a small paycheck coming in, I met Margaret. She was impressed. And, uh, and we got, we, and because she had a better job than me, we were able to afford to get married. Uh, and let's see, it was about, it was right out a year later that I, uh, that I got a job working for the Social Security Administration. And um, I, wasn't, I, I, I wanted to work for the federal government. And I'll tell you why I wanted to work for the federal government. Because I wanted something where, in, and in those days you could. I don't know, I think they're understaffed to the point now that you can't necessarily count on it anymore. But in those days you could count on eight to five, five days a week, weekends off, nights off which freed us up to do all the stuff at the church where we wanted to do. I, I, I led worship. We taught Sunday school. We worked with the youth. We did the nursery. I mean, we, we just, we did it all. And I didn't want a job that was going to get in the way of that. <clears throat> that it's hard to find that sort of thing nowadays, but that was, that was why we had that. And the Lord, the Lord really blessed. Uh, you don't get rich working for the federal government. Well, you do if you get elected, but I mean, you don't, you don't get rich as a, as a civil servant, 
but we uh, but you but you can make a living. And by the time Isaac came along, Margaret was able to uh, able to to stop working and stay at home with him, and that was. That was wonderful uh, because we, we did this magic. We had this magic thing that we used called a budget. And not everybody can do it because it is magic. But uh, it, it, it allows you to actually know how much money is coming in and then exactly how much money has to go out. And then you know how much money there is is to spend on stuff. It, it's magic. I, don't try to understand it. But because we did that, we, you know, she was able to quit work. And then uh, I, I stayed there for five years. And then I uh, left and became the youth pastor at the Lord's Chapel. And that was about a, I think about a 15% pay cut. Uh, I did that two and a half years. And then we went on the mission field to Zimbabwe. And the... Uh, uh, the the pledged money that we had coming in was that was about a forty percent pay cut, and then I stayed there for three years, and then I came here to this church, and uh, that was a God only knows pay cut because nobody knew what was you know I mean if enough money would come in to pay somebody something then I got it, but if it didn't it didn't. Now I'm not saying that to go uh, wow aren't you know, aren't you something? I'm saying that to say this isn't about something that happened thousands of years ago. I've seen this in my life. When God says go, you just, you can go. You don't have to be afraid. Well, what's going to happen to us? Are we going to, are we going to have enough? You know, you don't, you don't have to. We, Every every move that I've made in ministry has involved a pay cut and a raise in standard of living. Now that is no, it's not magic. That's God. And now that doesn't necessarily mean we had more things, but you understand that your standard of living is not measured by how many things you have. It's measured by how much you enjoy your life. That's how your standard of living is. And when, and since I had an omnipotent God, I could trust Him. I could trust Him. Just, just seek, seek His kingdom first. Do we really trust Him? And not only, not only will He provide for us, He will defend us. We, uh, we like this verse, although we only quote the first phrase rather than the rest of it, which is pretty good. No weapon formed against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. No weapon formed against you will prevail. We live in a fearful society, like I say. Uh, I am not a pacifist, but I I respect those who are, who truly are. Uh, Far from being cowards. uh, I, I'm one of those people who's. I'm, I mean, I'm not a. I'm not a, a, a warmonger. I'm not a pacifist. I'm one of those. I'm somewhere in the middle. It just kind of depends on where I woke up that day. But uh, you know, I do feel like there's a time and a place to fight. There's a time and a place that you that you have to do stuff. But uh, but I'm not. A, I'm you know, like I said, I do respect pacifists, and you know, I, I understand people. I understand people saying, well, if everybody was a pacifist, who'd fight the wars? Uh, and since not everybody's going to be, 
you know, who's going to defend the, the pacifists? Well, hopefully I will. Hopefully you will. They're worth defending. That's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, most children are pacifists. All right, uh, and I'm not I'm not a uh, uh, I'm not a, a gun proponent, but I own some guns. My dad passed away, and he had some guns, and I felt like they'd be safer with me than they would be with you. So I kept them. Yeah, and you know if if somebody if somebody breaks in our house and wants to do something. Uh, you know, I, I, I know which end of the gun to point at them. And so that's going to be trouble. Now, if there's 50 of them, I don't need an arsenal. If there's 50 of them, I, they're going to win, but they're going to get hurt too. It's just, you know, it's just that simple. But I've got an omnipotent God and, and he, he defends me. I'm not, I'm not, Worried. I'm, I'm not concerned. Those, it's, it's a dangerous thing to claim an almighty God and then take our own defense into our own hands because those who trust in chariots and horses fall. Those who trust in the arm of the flesh fall. The ones who stand upright are those who trust in the name of the Lord their God. At least that's what the Bible says. And not only, not only will he defend us, but he will vindicate us. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. This is your, this is your born again inheritance that God will, will vindicate you. You, you have nothing to prove. You, you never have the need to take revenge. In fact, vengeance belongs to the Lord. And that verse actually starts out with, do not take revenge. Because vengeance belongs to God. You have nothing to prove. Well, what is might? And I'm, I'm got to end, end quickly with this. We tend to think of might in terms of brute force, in terms of brute strength. This is uh, Andre the Giant, yeah. Uh, and uh, how many of you know who that was? <laughs> okay, very good. I was, I was looking over here. Same people who didn't know Ringo Starr, uh, but but that's understandable. <laughs> Andre the Giant was seven foot five and somewhere north of five hundred pounds. It just kind of depended on on how things on how things went. Um, and uh, apparently he was he was a very nice guy. He was also a prodigious drinker. Uh, he wasn't an alcoholic, uh, but uh, because there were times he he would stop drinking for a month and drop 80 pounds. So, woo. Uh, but he, uh, he spent a lot of time in bars and there are a lot of stories about him. But uh, one that I, that I read a couple of weeks ago, a guy who actually was there, uh, you know, in bars, sometimes people are stupid in bars and, uh, you know, and if there's a big guy there, somebody wants to go try out the big guy. Good grief. I mean, Seven foot five, five hundred pounds. Yeah. But anyway, apparently the guy was there uh, who was writing the article one time when uh, when this lumberjack, uh, you know, got uh, got a little loaded and decided that he wanted to take on the big guy. So he comes over to Andre and he's saying some insulting things to him, wants to fight him. And Andre goes, "Hey, you know that we 
there's no, we don't have, there's no need for this. In fact, I'll buy you a drink. Let's, let's just be friends. And the guy kept on, you know, started insulting his mother and stuff like that. And Andre picks him up with, uh, with his left hand, picks him up off of the floor and throws him into the wall and knocks him out. And, uh, and he tells the guy, he said, uh, you know, there's really no reason to fight. And I always try to make friends with them first. But if I find out that they're not going to, to do that, I like to end it quick. <laughs> See, when you're, when you're strong enough, first of all, you don't have to, you don't have to fight. When, when, you're, when you're omnipotent, when you're all-powerful. But brute force, we kind of feel like brute force is what <clears throat> omnipotence is all about. And brute force really rarely is able to settle the issue. If you, uh, if you need a surgeon, do you want one who can bench press 300 pounds, or do you want one who's got those nice little thin hands that, is able to able to do stuff. You know, one thing Andre could not do, as powerful as he is, is text message. Because when your finger covers half of the keyboard, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to get that out. Brute force could not hold Jesus to the cross. It wasn't the spears, it wasn't the the soldiers, it wasn't the the government uh, that held Jesus to the cross. The only thing that could hold Jesus to the cross was the most powerful force in the universe, which is love. And the almighty, omnipotent God, according to 1 John 4, 8, is love. And yeah, God can split seas. God can stop winds. He can create worlds. But for all of His strength, He can't force you to love Him. But on the other side of that, you can't force Him to stop loving you. And He does. He does. And if you will accept... His offer of love, if you will accept His, his offer of grace, His offer of mercy, fear not. You can go anywhere. You can do anything as long as He's with you. He will protect you. He will provide for you. He will vindicate you. You just got to be sure He's there. You just got to be sure He's with you. And when I say you can go anywhere, you can even go to the grave and come out of it. Because He's been there. He's done that. It holds no terrors for Him. It holds no terrors for you. Is your God omnipotent? Is He omnipotent? Is He almighty? Do you live your life as if He were?
Or is it just something that you know in your head? Would you stand with me? Speaking of resurrection from the dead, Easter is coming up pretty quickly, and we're going to do a uh, we're going to have a, a production that morning. It's uh, it's not going to be a uh, it's, it's not going to be a pageant or anything. It's going to be a production. It's actually it's a one act play, and you need to invite people who uh, would not normally come and say you need to come to our church on Easter because we got this one act play going on, and and it, we know it's good because it was written by our fantastic pastor and and you're really gonna like it uh and you're really gonna like it so i hope you come that day with those who are going to pray with people come forward at this time and if you're here and you need prayer uh we invite you to come because uh god can do anything there's, there's nothing in your life that he can't bring peace to. There's nothing in your life that he can't solve or resolve. He might not do it the way you want it done, but he'll do it the right way, which is usually a lot better than the way you want it done. Um, the altar's open. If you don't need to come worship with us for a little while, Let's create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can move. Come into not just the room, but hearts.